1: And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. And we are back at the time, six oh nine. We are in our second hour. One line open, one 367 5329 If you want to call in, one line open, one 367 5329 As pertaining to the issue of suicide, I want to read a commentary on um, Anthony Bourdain, and then we will take up our subject first with James and Joel, and then Anthony. I quote, Anthony Bourdain hanged himself on Friday about a month ago. David Foster Wallace once wrote that people who hang themselves aren't just killing themselves. They're embracing a form of suicide that is judicial, like capital punishment. They not only think they want to die, they think they must die. I want you to capture that, you guys. They not only think they want to die, a lot of us think we want to die, but they think they must die. Like the only way out is that they have to kill themselves. Wallace attempted suicide several times in his own life, and he successfully hung himself in 2008. He described the desire for suicide in several of his books and essays he wrote. The so-called psychotically depressed person, he quotes, who tries to kill herself does not do so out of hopelessness. Will you hear that? Or any abstract conviction that life's assets and debt debits do not square. And surely not because death seems suddenly appealing. The person in whom it's invisible agony reaches a certain undurable level will kill herself the same way a trapped person will eventually jump from the window of a burning high rise. Now mark what he says. They do it because they feel trapped. Make no mistake about people who leap from burning buildings. Their terror of falling from a great height is still just as great as it would be for you or me standing speculatively at the same window, just checking out a view. That is, the fear of falling remains a constant. The variable here is the other terror, the fire's flame. When the flames get hot enough are close enough, falling to death becomes a slightly less terrible of the two terrors. Did you get what he said? The, the twix with the person inclined to feel like they must kill themselves is the twix of being in a burning building, and the only way out is to jump to your death we saw that with 911 didn't we the variable here as he says is when the flames get close enough falling to death becomes slightly less terrible of the two it's not desiring the fall it's the terror of the flames and yet nobody down on the sidewalk looking up and yelling don't and hang on can understand why they jump not really You'd have to have personally been trapped and felt flames to really understand a terror way beyond falling. I hope you guys got that. Often when people commit suicide, we hear that their actions are incredibly selfish. Look at all the people they've left behind. Wallace's account, I think, partially deconstructs that narrative. There is something about depression that creates a terror way beyond falling, a terror beyond the consequences of suicide that compels them to do it anyway. And I want you guys to grab that because what you don't want to do, particularly religious folk, and I'm speaking to those of us in the pastor who think you have to always have a no answer to a sin, is to really push them out the window when you haven't taken into consideration the flames that are moving them in that direction anyway. The flames that are moving them in that direction anyway. So we want to be very careful, I I think, to not only be able to have the conversation— but to be able to be clear about the moral components, the social components, the emotional component, and even the gospel component around something so difficult and painful as suicide. Let me go to line number four and talk with James from the Bay. James, what's your thoughts, comments, or observations? Hey,
2: how
1: are you doing? I'm great, man. Well,
2: listen, first of all, this is almost, an unfair question for radio and the fact that we really don't have enough time to unpack it and develop it. And right. Have the conversation. Right. Because it it's, I mean, it's so deep. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you, and you, uh, the, the piece you read was, was quite thought-provoking. Yeah. And first of all, i want to be on the side, I'm on the side of, I mean, I'm a, I I I mean, I agree with Scripture. I mean, I would not none with perish, but all that would come to repentance. Right. right? Right. I want all the making, Right. you know. But right. we, we, we 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 go back and forth for for hours on this one, uh, you know. And even though you say there's no, I, actually there's the Bible is silent, so we have to wait till the, we get to the end because no one has actually. Been successful at suicide, obviously, to come back
1: to be able to tell us about. It. I, I, I don't you know think it's talk. silent, though. I don't think it's silent. I think you're. I think you might be a little bit prejudgmental on that one. I don't think it's silent. I think when uh, if we actually take words for what they're worth, that's why I read Matthew chapter twelve thirty one. And one of the things, and I'm going to let you continue, but I don't think it's silent. I think we have to be very careful that we understand the terms of the gospel. I think we have to be very careful because at the heart of forgiveness of sins and this I've been teaching on forgiveness of sins now for three months. And I know people don't get it because we'll create a pseudo gospel, a false gospel of legalism and diminish the merits of Christ's death and fail to understand that the 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 all encompassing effectual work of the atonement of Christ on the cross took into account all of the various tragedies of life and their impact upon our soul and how they can drive us to do a lot of things of which you and I could quickly call it sin, but you and I wouldn't have a remedy for it. And so I want to be very careful that we don't set up quiet, private qualifications for the revocation of of grace and the revocation of the atonement uh, for people who do something so tragically. We don't need them to come back to tell us, it's all right, you can commit suicide and you'll still make it to glory. We don't need them. All we need to know is that all manner of sin shall be forgiven, men except blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. And Christ, the author of life, gave us that, James, for a word of comfort in a world where a lot of people, even if they are believers, don't see any other way out of that burning room except to jump out that window. So I think we're forced to ask the question, how do we handle Knowing a person or believing a person is a believer who in the face of horrific circumstances, or we can even cover the spectrum, what what would God grant us to say about that act? Would he grant us to take away from the security of the gospel, the finality of the gospel, the triumph of the gospel over all manner of sin, So that when we come to the funeral, we go, you know, I really would like to say they are a believer, but we think that there's a private judgment somewhere on the last day that would overthrow our desire to say, you know, he was a believer. He clearly loved Christ. He never, ever affirmed in any way that he denied Christ as his only way to glory. And it may have been that he wanted to excel getting there through this means because this life was just so horribly bad for him. Now, I'm, so I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the expression to go ahead on and, and uh and, and to to respond to that for me.
2: Again, first of all, my, my position is I want the person to make it the individual, whoever's in, in that state. Because like you used the example of nine eleven and you know other scenarios where people like you get trapped into that, you know, that burning building. You know, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been there, but when I look at it from, the, from the text and, I, and of course I'm, as, as I'm asking, I'm asking you, you know, I, I need to understand because is suicide considered a sin?
1: If we, if we narrow suicide down to the taking of one's own life, of course it is.
2: Okay. It's a sin. Okay. So in, in, in the text that you, that you read out of Matthew, forget, uh, All sin can be forgiven. All manner.
1: Not only all sin, all manner. All manner. Excuse me. Thank you.
2: All manner of sin.
1: Yeah. Shall be forgiven.
2: Okay. Shall be forgiven. So then I need to know what one has to do. Okay. So that means that does one have to seek forgiveness or is Christ giving the forgiveness, uh, is forgiving without the petitioner? That make any sense? And yeah, it does, it does. It does. It does. If, if I'm a, if if I'm a sinner and, and I don't repent from it and I don't seek God out for forgiveness, even though we know that He already died for them all, I still think I have an obligation to go back to Him and repent. for so, you know, from the sin that I've committed, and I think the tension is is that the person once they committed suicide can't personally do it on their own. I think that's, that's not
1: true. That's That's not true. That's not true. No. So I'm glad you, you use that case scenario and you were right earlier. There are many case scenarios that we can talk about and I'd love to do it. Uh, And I'm looking forward to after the break dealing with our other callers on it, but let me just give you a, a, a very clear picture of what a believer is. A believer is not someone that ever has a termination of life on any level, qualitatively or quantitatively, when once we have become born again, your life does not change what your walk with Christ, the reality of union with him union with the father and union with the Holy ghost. When you die to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is no loss of mutual communication and fellowship with the one who is the mediator of your soul. The one who is your advocate with the father, by which the the text is very clear. If we are confessing our sins, he is just and able to have already literally forgiven us of our sins and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. So when we teach, forgiveness of sins. We are not teaching that unless you actually confess that sin, you are in danger of losing your salvation. That would mean that your salvation is predicated not only what Christ did, but what you did. It is certainly a relational principle. This is why I've been teaching it, that God would have you and I to not uh, not not play down sin and not 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 mock sin and therefore mock our relationship with him. But, brother, ask the question, answer the question very simply. When you enter into the presence of the Lord. Does anything about your uh, volitional responsibility, your culpability or your uh, accountability changes uh, in his presence as opposed to being on this earth? Any of your human faculties, uh, once again, are are mitigated or um, altogether set aside because you're now in his presence like you no longer sin, uh, are are capable of uh, dealing with sin once you get into the Lord's presence?
2: the
1: hmm. Good question. Right. And, and the question is easily answered uh, in the affirmative. No, just in the same way that you and I are talking now will be the way you and I, you and I and the Lord will talk. Uh, it, with the exception, we will have a perfect understanding of all of the dark, shadowy, uh, obscure, uh, looking into a dark, a glass dimly life that you and I are doing now. We are knowing in part. We are prophesying in part. We are living shallow lies in the dark. And, and, and ultimately, we'll walk in that light. And I am sure we're going to be able to go, Lord, you know, that was wrong what I did. That was wrong. I see that now. Thank you for having died for that sin 2,000 years ago and having promised to redeem me from all iniquity from before the foundation of the world. When you chose me in yourself and you came and assumed my nature and represented me in all my sins. I'm so thankful that faith in Christ causes me to triumph over the world, even over my sin. So I want us to meditate on that. I'm way overdue. Got to take a break. When I come back, I'll answer your calls on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Think about it. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's good news. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back. The time six twenty six. Um, one line open. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two lines open on this very crucial. Theologically important question, One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Thanks, James, for the call and for pressing that issue. That's what I want to do for the rest of the hour. Let's go to line one and talk with Anthony in Vallejo. Anthony, what's your question, comment, or observation, sir?
3: Pastor Jesse Gisner and Anthony Hunter. Hey! <laughs> long, time, long time, long
1: time. Long time, brother. Long time, man. I miss you, man.
3: Likewise, likewise. Yeah, yeah uh, we
1: ain't got. We got to catch up, brother.
3: Look, man, that's on you. That's okay, on you. I'm okay, leave it alone. Okay, all but, right. Um, I got you. Uh, okay. okay. Um, this subject, as I was sitting in the garage listening to it, I remember sharing with you some time ago. That yes,
1: sir.
3: For um, bipolar depression. Yes. And James, that you just spoke with, uh, I was in the I'm on the fence. Uh, in the camp with James in the very beginning. Yeah. Yes, we can look in the Word. You can go to, I'm sure, Joseph uh, dealt with depression. Yeah. Job and Elijah. So so many I understand, but they never took their lives uh, except Judas. Um, and King Saul. I'm, there you go. There you go. But when you mentioned... Uh, about being in the presence of the Lord and saying, "Lord, you know, forgive me of that." Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, decipher that. Yeah. Uh, so can you can you break that down?
1: Yeah, I can. I, I can. I can go yeah. at length. I don't have time no, on I don't this. I to go at length. <laughs> right, but I. But here's what I want to say and this is okay. where this is where i i um you know I, I might stand by myself in uh in my tenure of ministry here at grace in in in, in hayward and san leandro over the last 22 years as you have heard right. me preach and teach for many yep. years expounding yep. scripture uh, my culture of preachers does not have a handle on grace as they ought to and um, it gets discovered that they don't handle, have a handle on biblical grace when we come into the tenuous areas of life like these It is no uh, it is no secret as you and I know that our churches can pick up the barnacles of traditions and one pastor yeah. can say something and the next thing you know yeah. it's running with the church for not only decades but for centuries and everyone yeah. is making the assumption that um, you know, suicide is self-murder, and and that's equivalent to the unforgivable sin. And and once you start making assumptions like that, uh, and we could we could we could uh, call uh, our attention to many other uh, potential what we call uh, social picadillos, where the church has said, no, no, ain't no way. Um, and begin to define the gospel and de- begin to define the atonement and begin to define the efficacy of the cross work of Christ, who is the second person of the glorious triune Godhead, who created the universe, who upholds all things by the word of his power, down to the microscopic organisms that he created and presently sustains, who knows all of our thoughts from beginning to end, who understands our frailties imminently, who realizes that he would leave us all who are believers, Tony, in sinful, broken states. Here's the other area that I disagree with a whole lot of preachers on. The notion that when you are born again, you are no longer a sinner. Nothing is further from the truth. In fact... True believers are more sinners in themselves than non-believers are. We are very much aware of what we are. We are very much aware that while we are perfect in Christ, we are utterly imperfect in ourselves. And I, like the Apostle Paul, who said to Timothy right before Nero cut his head off, I am, not was, the chief of sinners. Now... Now, if we don't maintain that kind of paradoxical gospel, we can be of no use to lost men and women on the street because they're already indicting the church for presuming to be self-righteous and to have a gospel which really is no gospel at all. And what I am saying is God has given us a two-part salvation, which is designed both for us who are true believers to look at a glorious Savior with a glorious hope based upon a substantial faith that was purchased by his blood, but also to be able to reach down, Tony, reach down to a lost, broken world and let them know we are just as broken as you in all the places in which you are broken, but we do have a message of hope. And that hope is faith in Christ. Now, when when they understand the bridge between a glorious sinner saved by grace who is simultaneously righteous and sinful at the same time, righteous and sinful at the same time, then they can say, you know what? I think I can have a savior like that. If he can save Jesse Gistan and Tony Hunter, and they can live in the grace and mercy of God while they are yet sinners with the terrible way we think, act and talk. Sometimes yes, sir. God yes, can sir. save anybody. Now yes, stay sir. with me. Let me,
3: let me ask you a question real quick. Do you, um, at least where the local congregation that I attend, we don't have a ministry set up for, um, individuals that have depression, right. or certain other
1: right. um, psychological mental... and emotional maladies.
3: Okay, exactly. Okay, so yeah, um, do you see the church eventually venturing out and having more of a strong ministry?
1: Like you have that? to. So you have to. Here, 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 let me put it like this. Okay. This is so critical, and I'm glad you called my brother on a number of levels, but my broaching this topic is because not only do I deal with depression personally, um, but I, I see people all around me. I see people all around me. I see people all around me dealing with it at different levels, and sometimes depression becomes completely immobilizing, completely immobilizing. It will shut you off from society, Yeah. and it yeah. will put you in a place where, listen— To be absent from the body and be present with the Lord is that window of escape that they want to take. Yeah. Now, 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 what I know the church has already learned to do healthy churches that grow and a real church is a growing church. You can't be Christ's church and not growing because Christ's church is an organism. It's a living entity. So we have to mature. We have to grow. We have to evolve. We have to learn how to actually be effective in the copious nature of human brokenness that God calls us to. In our local churches, we've got people who are doctors. We've got nurses. We've got psychiatrists. We've got psychologists. We've got therapists. We've got all those in our local churches, don't we? Yes, we do. Well, why yes, we do. don't we have ministries that are adjacent to those gifts? And the only reason why is because in our leadership in our churches we don't feel the need for it or don't have an awareness that those things must be available because truth be told, Tony, people are toe up in the church.
3: Amen to that.
1: They are tore up. Amen and when amen. you get a brother or sister Water. who is broken. Uh, in the area of of uh, psychological and emotional maladies, like you and I are talking about, they can't what? find comfort in the church because all the church wants to do is be Job's three miserable friends. Mm-hmm. You've heard you've heard it right. Oh, yes. Yeah. Is. See, for yeah. the first two chapters, Joe says, bless the Lord, the Lord, good, the Lord take away. By the time he got to the fourth chapter, between his wife telling him, kill himself, and his three brothers saying, uh, the reason you going through this is because of sin. Sin in your life. He said, Lord, I wish I would never been born. What was yeah. he saying? Miserable comforters are often what we are when we don't know how to sympathize with human beings in the mediatorial role we've been called. We've been called to two roles, the prophetic role and the priestly role. That's it. And the role of the priest is to deal with the sicknesses and diseases of the body. And if we are not prepared to and deploy in the area, understanding human come implications and idiosyncrasies and the maladies of sin so as to have ministries that are available. So here's my final word to you before I go, because we're almost overdue. Um, Our churches need to have organizations in their files available to our people to whom they can defer and call that we can trust will give them not only legitimate practical advice about their problems, but it have a correlation to a biblical worldview. Now we have a lot of that and I'm sure you guys can do it too. So I'm pressing, I'm praying that someone uh, among the brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in your community would move in that direction.
3: Bless you. I'll talk
1: to you soon, brother. I got your number.
3: Okay, man. Lord willing, you take care. All right, man.
1: I got to take a break. Joe, you hold on. Victoria, you hold on. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Our salvation is in total about healing. I'll be right back.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gestand.
1: We are back. Victoria, if you got cut off, that was me. Call me back. one 367 5329 Accidentally pushed the button here while I was playing with my Bible. I have two lines open. one 367 5329 We are talking about the very serious subject of um, depression leading to suicide. And we do not want to uh, misappropriate the Bible. We don't want to be religious. We don't want to be self-righteous. We don't want to narrow the gate any less than it is narrow even now. I would have you to err on the side of a grace that is broader than your intuition, because that's the nature of God towards us. I think that when we get to glory to all my brothers that are listening and sisters, you and I are going to find vast multitudes of people who are miserable in this life because sin is miserable. Vast multitudes of people who are miserable in this life under miserable circumstances, miserable conditions, horrific, horrific conditions of which I guarantee you for them having lasted as long as they did in it, you and I wouldn't have borne up under it for five minutes. And yet ultimately when they succumb to what we're talking about, You and I want to dare to bring them into judgment? No, we don't want to do that. We want to know that on that day, God will have triumphed over against the devil, over against sin, over against a broken world society, over against evil, over against darkness, over against depression by exactly snatching them up out of the mouth of death and bringing them into glory on the grounds of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And he will be the only one getting the glory because you and I who are called and purported to be gatekeepers will not have had the satisfaction of saying, yes, they can go to heaven. They are approved. Our judgment lets them in. You see the arrogance? We want to be very careful, particularly if these issues have not come close to home to us. Let's go to line number one and talk with Joel, my brother, Joel. Joel, are you
4: there? I'm here, Pastor, and I thank you, and I thank the Lord for uh, having you on the air, telling everybody exactly how very, very important this issue is. It is about uh, Satan trying to kill us yeah. and steal our joy, and it doesn't matter what age group you're in, that's, that's his goal. His goal is to steal our joy that the Lord gives us as we grow with him. And not now, only I our run, joy,
1: not only our joy, Let's let me, let me expand on that, our hope— and our purpose in life, not only our joy, life is not all about joy. It's about hope and purpose. And, and what I mean by that is when a young person, and you know this because we're getting ready to talk about the suicide line that you're a part of, the ministry that you're a part of. Not only um, our joy, because life is not all about joy. A believer has what we call grown folk joy, and that is the joy of God coming to ultimately rescue us. From a world full of trials. But when the enemy gets in and deals with us at the level that he might deal with us to where we lose hope, we also therefore lose purpose. And where we lose purpose and hope, we are inclined to want to check out because we feel like there is absolutely no legitimate reason for remaining here. And that's a lie. As you might know, so talk to our uh, people, talk to our people about um the ministry
4: yes we have a we have a ministry that the Lord has uh uh provided and uh helped fund for us that we are a prayer and suicide prevention ministry we are on Google, and uh the Lord has just made a way for us to use the internet to help out these people that are so struggling with all different types of issues, yeah. but he put us to work. And I just want to take this opportunity that uh, that I would like to ask all the saints out there that you are just asking themselves, what can I do for the Lord? Right. Well, you can use your cell phone or your home phone and, and just be part of our ministry. Yep. And you know, we're totally non-profit, we're totally confidential. And we we are just here to help people that, that need to find the Lord. And, and who's gonna tell them if we're not there to pick up the line when they're struggling with whatever the issue is. So we're prayer and suicide prevention. It's not just when they're, you know, on their dire straits and they of are, are looking to check out, but it's also for whatever you need. The right. Lord has got his ear down to our level and he's put us to work to be there on the phones, 24, 7, 365 days a year that we are able to uh, take the call from somebody and, Send a prayer request out to over 35 prayer warriors in the state of California. Amen. Every time a prayer comes in, and we just—I just ask that uh, that I take this opportunity, and I thank you for uh, the, the moment. And I know you got other callers, but uh, please, everybody out there, if you love the Lord, come to work with us. Yeah. Be, be a soldier. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and help us help those people that don't know him. Right. They need your help. Right. They you got a testimony and that's all you need is your testimony. Yep. And I lost my sister. She committed suicide. Yeah. So this is personal for me. Yeah. But you know, even if I hadn't lost my sister, come on now. Yeah. We we got to help these people out here. They don't have anyone else and pastors right. The churches the churches out here, we went to a couple of churches and they said, "Oh, we can't help you cuz we don't know if there's a liability problem." The Lord helps us in the liability problem Amen. because he is mighty, he is on his throne and he will back you up if you just take that first step. Now, Thank I you, want God. you to actually
1: let people know what the specific name is and way by which they can contact you, Joel.
4: Okay, the phone number is 1866 to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Google didn't let us put that on there, but he he stepped in and he said, "Uh-huh." I'm coming in, and that's my number. They try to tell us that it might offend somebody. Well, thank you, Lord. He handled that. One eight six six to jesus That's our phone number. And we are on the Internet, and our website is prayerandsuicideprevention.org. Prayerandsuicideprevention.org,
1: org. One eight six six to jesus
4: And we need workers. We yeah. need workers back. Of course but we do. We, we just keep going with our small numbers. Thank of course.
1: You, uh, bless you, brother. As the Lord said in John four, it's still true today. I know it. There are lots of people who are fans of Jesus, but not followers of Jesus. Fans. The church That's fills right. up on Sunday with fans. You see those people fanning themselves? They're fans. They'll hoop and holler in the stands, but they won't get on the field and play. They're fans of Jesus, not followers. And Christ is calling for followers, particularly with people like this that are hurting. Let me go to line number three and talk with Victoria in Oakland. Victoria, are you there?
5: Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, but, uh, okay, there we go. We're better now. Okay. Um,. There was a day my brother just passed in April, and my brother was contemplating suicide, but of course I didn't know, and I had been praying in the Spirit, and I saw a vision, and I asked the Lord why I see this terrible vision while I'm praying in the Spirit. Well, the strong unctioning had occurred, years ago to where i must go to my brother and i said to the father i said well i'm gonna say to him i'm a female and the lord had said to me do not tell him what he's done wrong in life tell him what i have done for you Well, of course, I knew that was the Lord and the Holy Spirit speaking to me because my directions was my words were going to be controlled by the power of, shall we say, fanning the flaming of the Holy Spirit, power to draw with love, to draw in in compassion and mercy and grace of the heart of Christ. My mission was to obey God, get over to see Him, and allow the Holy Spirit to use me in my testimony of what God has done without casting stones, so to speak. So a vessel of honor for glory and praise to God, absolutely. He needs the obedience to go the distance, to go into that pit, stretch out your hand to keep the situation of the evil where God is delivering him from the evil one. And so... All I know is I'm saying, protect me, Father, as I hid there. And then, like I said, after I did my testimony, and then so many weeks after he came to visit me, I did not know. He said he was planning to commit suicide. And I began to pray and give God thanksgiving that he saved his soul. And, and not only that, that... God knows everything, His timing is perfect, but it must be done in the love and direction of the Holy Spirit, representing Christ Jesus, because if we are the royal priesthood, and we are to love, we are to just obey in the unctioning of letting them know that God loves them, no matter what is hidden and locked inside of them through the years, that God sees the need, he's ready to love you right where you are, but he needs strong vessels, um, broken vessels first, to be poured out through the power of the Holy Spirit to love them with the words of the Holy Spirit. Victoria. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Great. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Gotta take a break. We'll be okay. right back, you guys. We'll be right back, and we are back at the time six fifty two on the Monday edition of Lifeline um Not much to say. I mean, if someone wanted to call in, you might be free to do so. I've got about six minutes before we shut it down. I really do appreciate not only Victoria's testimony of uh, yielding for the purpose of being a blessing to her brother and Joel's uh calling in a timely fashion. <clears throat> for the purpose of letting us know there is a ministry out there that deals with um the whole spectrum of people being um you know in trouble mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually and that there is a line that they can call uh 1866 to Jesus um to be ministered to by believers all over northern California and help them a lot of times it really is about conversation. One of the things I've been teaching our men, as I'm developing um, um, teachers and preachers at Grace, is that homiletics, which is a discipline on how to communicate the gospel, really is about having a conversation, right? Homileo is the Greek term, and you find it prominently used as a paradigm, a framework in Luke 24, where Christ— Um, after his resurrection, the two men on the road to Emmaus, you know those brothers, were walking back home with half a gospel. Well, they're not going to be left hanging with half a gospel. Christ died but didn't rise again. The Holy Ghost represented in Christ would show up and begin to walk with them for the rest of the distance home. And you guys know Christ began to speak to them in all of the law and the prophets and the Psalms precisely teaching them what the Bible is all about. And it's a hymn book, an H I M book. The book is about Christ. And he preached himself from Genesis to Malachi. And when those two boys got home, they said, Lord, would you continue with us? Cause the Lord was pretending to go on. But you see, when you are really being quickened and illuminated by the spirit of God and you see Jesus in the glory for who he really is, you don't ever want that to stop, ever. And he began to expound to them. The word there, it says, he talked with them while they were in the way. Now, that's the kind of experience we want to have with God in Christ, don't we? He talked with them, and homileo simply means to have a conversation. What I'm getting at is what we should be doing as Christians, far more than even preaching. That's what I teach our guys, that the vast majority of the people you're going to reach are going to be people that you talk to. That you have a conversation about the brokenness of life, the complexity of life, the perils of life, the troubles of life, the blessings of life, the mystery of life. You're going to just have a conversation. Um, If you're prepared, you can talk to people about virtually anything. And then use it as a bridge to your worldview, your theses on life, your, your your particular hypotheses based upon the Bible as to how men and women ought to view living in this world. And you'll find a lot of people are going to hear you where you talk to them. Now, Sunday is great. That's when you and I hear preaching that is biblical and And as we call it, the kerygma, it is authoritative in its proclamation. We must, under the worship, hear a sovereign God authoritatively speaking to us. But when we're hanging out, working and going to school and just being about our business, we just talk to people. That's all. You just talk to people. You you just talk to them. People love to talk. I love to talk. You love to talk. Talking is the commodity that largely separates us as human beings from all other animals in that particular category. And when you talk to people who are hurting and you do it with a sympathetic priestly ear, like Victoria said, and you really do let God shape your words, only say what you know and then say what you mean and mean it in a way that really is seeking to heal, help, illuminate, clarify, uh, then God's going to bless your labors and Christ is going to be honored. It's not that hard, uh, but we do have to yield to God. Can't be done in pride, has to be done in humility, but that's what God uses. That's why we get on the program every Monday, open up the lines and talk about everything under the sun and we try to bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ in order that we might know that there is an answer to the problems and the challenges of our world. Um, I'm jazzed today. On my way in, I had an opportunity to uh, stop at the store and go through my normal routine of buying um, tea and stuff like that, get ready for our program. And guess what? I ran across my grandkids. Yes, indeed. All five of them in their glorious, beautiful, blazing life. (laughs) Had a good time making me a happy, happy grandpa. I'm called Papa to them, you know, just love it, enjoyed it thoroughly. So, I'm happy, just about to end the show for today. Looking forward to being with you guys next week as well. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I guarantee you this if God keeps me in my right mind, we're going to take the topic, whatever it is in the world, and we're going to tether it to Jesus and tether it to the Bible and demonstrate that the Bible is relevant in all of the matters of life and godliness. And maybe we can grow together. Maybe we can mature together. Maybe we can uh, be better together. We don't always get it right, but if we keep getting at it, eventually we'll get something right somewhere down the line. And I know this, if you sow good seed more than you sow bad seed, you're going to get good fruit more than you do bad fruit. And that's all we can ask for in um in this world, so um, remember to pray for one another. Pray for this one speaking to you. Let's pray for our family. Pray for our rulers. Pray for our nation. Pray for our churches. Yep. Pray for our churches. Pray for this crazy world, and let's try to just walk each day at a time in the joy, um, in the purpose, and in the hope of the gospel of the grace of God in jesus christ again this was a great um, opportunity to be with you guys just thankful for this opportunity um and until next time as our as our god puts it in the book of numbers may the lord cause his grace to shine upon you he lift up his countenance upon you give you his peace may he may he smile upon you with all of the grace of jesus christ And may you come to know him in the fullness of his salvation until next time Keep your eyes on Christ. All right, we'll talk to you later.
0: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.